Hello and welcome to Command Space on 5x5. This is episode 53 and I am Mike Hurley. My guest today is the one and only Dr. Drang. Hey. How, how you doing, you? sir? I'm doing just fine. How are you? I am very well. You must be tremendously excited. To with, talk, to, uh, talk with to the, the birth. dog? No, to, with, no, because of the birth. I am, actually. Yeah. So we have, we have a name now as well. Oh, I didn't hear that. I've been, I've been uh, basically offline today. So now we have Prince George Alexander Louis of Cambridge. Ah. That's, Where'd the Alexander come from? Um, it's a royal name of some description, I think. Uh, there was no King Alex. Good you point. You can't fool me. Uh, maybe there's a, a, an Alexandra somewhere. <laughs> okay. But George was what I wanted, personally. Not that I have any say in the matter. They didn't consult me. We don't like Georges me. over here so much. We yes. Have a thing. That's interesting. We tended, mm-hmm. tend, to, tended to have quite good luck with George. Well, you, there was that one. Yes. <laughs> there was that one. It <laughs> was that one. The they one. Made, they uh, made no, that the movie. One, yes. Well, no, I, I was. Well, I wasn't. Th- yes, that's right. That was. Uh, yeah, that was the guy. Uh, now there was the one that was married to Helena Bonham Carter, uh, in that which I approve of. Good. <laughs> so how are you, sir? I'm doing fine. How are you? Why You're excited, you, of course. Of course. Why don't you tell people um, what Doctor Drang likes to be known for? I'm going to go with Doc, by the way. Just oh, that's that. fine. That's that's fine. Um, uh, I uh, like to be known for my blog, which is called "And Now It's All This." and is on a site uh, with the URL leancrew.com. I'm very bad at branding, so I, my name, the blog name, and the name of the site are all different, mm-hmm. so nobody really can find me. I'm, I think that's the reason why my numbers are so low. Um, and so I, it's that site where I talk about, uh, write about uh, all, pretty much anything that comes into my head, although that tends to be stuff about computers in general, Macs in particular, um, and occasional diversions into engineering, which is what I do for a living in real life. So we're going to get to talking about the the blog in a moment, but there's a thing that I want to talk to you about that I think many people talk to you about, but I do find it very interesting, so please indulge me. Um, you were not born like your family name is not drang it is not so your your name is not drang it is a uh, pseudonym and i would like to know why why the anonymity why do you not go by bob smith well it's uh it's probably not a no good reason i suppose um when i started the podcast i thought that I was going to be doing a lot of a lot more political stuff than I ended up doing. I thought I might be getting into more controversial stuff, and I wanted to keep my professional life, where I go by my real name, uh, surprisingly enough, and and my online life uh, separate. I didn't want people searching for my real name and finding my blog. I don't really have a problem with people uh, like you, who now know my real name, yes. uh, learning who I am. Um, it's just, I, I don't know. And, and, I, and I've thought about uh, coming out 
as it were. But I think I, I haven't done it partially, I suppose, because it'll be very anticlimactic. I mean, because <laughs> I'm not really anybody. You're so, not like you know, uh, you're not like uh, it's not Steve like was now. Jobs or something like. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I'm yeah, right. Um, you know, I'm not a I'm, I'm not a person that anybody really knows except my family. So uh, it, it's not going to be you know shocking. Oh my God, that's who Doctor Drang is. Um, so I, I I I could do this at any time. Everybody'd be disappointed, and you know, Gabe Weatherhead, for example, actually actively dislikes knowing my real name, although he does, and and has suggested I should never uh, come out. So. Uh, so I haven't. It's it's easier this way. I guess it kind of stops you from having to say, these views are mine and not those of my employers. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Which is one of the most annoying things in the world. And I apologize to anybody that has been made to do that because I'm sure that there are many people that are actually made to do that and do not choose to do that. But oh, I think, yeah, I think it's like the, um, I don't I don't know who you correspond to by email, but uh, I correspond with lots of attorneys by email. Yes. And the, the disclaimer at the bottom of, of every email is ungodly long. I have one uh, of those because I, I work by day in the financial services industry. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so yes. it's the same. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Have you ever read it? No, it gets added on after I press send. Yeah, it, it's it's amazing. It's it's usually not even literate. It it doesn't even scan well. It's not grammatical. It's most of them are aren't anyway. I did read it. Oh, I tell you, I tell you, I scanned it recently because I accidentally sent an email to somebody that shouldn't have received that email. Um, oh, did they did they immediately destroy it and return it to you by mail? Because that's what that's what a lot of those things say. Basically, they then brought that email up to my uh, manager because I said some things that that person shouldn't have seen about them in that email. I hate it when it happens. I've done that a few times in my life. I think there's a thing in my brain where it's like, right, so writing this email about John, I'm going to send it to Bob, finger types John, and sends it to John. <laughs> um <laughs> And it's a passive-aggressive thing, Mike. That's what you're doing. You really did want <laughs> the subject to see it. I'm basically oh, it just was trying a, to It was a mistake. Sorry. <laughs> and so I was just checking it just for fun to see what it said. And it was like, if you are not the intended recipient of this email, then you must destroy it. And yes. I was like, well, then, you know, in theory, they never should have read that. But I decided not to go down that line, picked well, up the you phone have to, and apologize. You have to, you, you have to read it in order to find out that you should never have read it. <laughs> exactly. It's, a, it's such a strange thing. And it's just so basically if the CEO goes to court, he can get out of anything. That's the only yes. reason it's there. <laughs> so aside from um, keeping you employed and stopping people sending you hate mail, um, are there any other advantages or disadvantages to being anonymous on the internet? I... I don't think so. Um, I, I've often worried that um, when I have this uh, fake name, that people will think, "Well, you know, you're hiding behind this, and and you can say whatever you want, and you can." It's more like, and, I, and I'm not anonymous. I'm pseudonymous. I'm I'm always Doctor Drang. I'm never anybody else. So I, I do think that I have a. Uh, uh, 
a back a history of of opinions on things that are whether they're consistent or not they're always mine and it's like I'm using a, a real name uh, I don't uh, it's funny when I'm uh, on Twitter or uh, or writing in my blog post I, I writing a blog post I almost never think about using my name uh, so I it's me uh, Dr. Drang really is me. It's not, it's not a persona that I put on. It really is me. It's just a different name. So that's interesting because one of the things that I wanted to, to ask you, and, you, and it's, that's kind of helped me see the answer already, is like, because I've noticed that you are a person, not in a bad way, that you, you speak your mind. If you do not agree with something, then you say so. And I wondered if being Dr. Drang helped that because I it know prob- that... Go on. It probably does. Okay. I mean, in, in truth, it probably does. But since I'm a nobody anyway, even if I were using the Bob Smith name, um, and you can all start googling Bob Smith to find out who I really am, uh, I don't. You know, it's because I'm not really part of the the Mac community. So if I say something about an app that I don't like or something like that, I, I'm not going to meet that person. I'm not going to meet the uh, the developer of that app at WWDC because I don't go there. Uh, you know, my my real life, apart from the fact that I use Apple products a lot, uh, my real life is uh, pretty far away from the developer journalist, podcaster, professional blogger life of uh, most of the people that I interact with uh, on the internet. So, like, I guess it's kind of like that, because you hear it a lot with the commenter mentality, right? And that people feel that they can, or or it is believed that people are able to be more nasty because they hide behind Geek Guide 2538. And Absolutely. I guess it, I guess it can help, um, but you seem to be a nice human being, so you, you're not sort of being a troll with your with your pseudonym. No, I mean I may be uh, I may be mean in something that I say, I suppose, um, but it's really me, and and it's and it's it's what I think, and I I don't say things to get effect. Uh, I don't have. I don't have ads on my site. I'm not looking to drive page views particularly. I mean, it's nice when people, when I get more page views, but that very seldom has anything to do with, it has obviously has something to do with what I write, but it, it's, uh, I can't control that. I mean, if, if somebody who's a big fish happens to pick up on something that I wrote and likes it and links to it or hates it and links to it, uh, that's what drives a lot of traffic. Otherwise, I just get along with you know a few thousand people a day. Where does the name come from? Uh, Drang is, and I, I have a, I have a post about this, um, and some people who actually know German corrected me. I, I well, kind of corrected me. Drang is was my understanding was essentially the German word for stress, and uh, I'm a stress analyst. By, by profession that's the type of engineering I do is the analysis of stress and uh, in structures and so and I have a PhD in, in my field so Dr. Drang there's Perfect. also a very famous um, textbook 
call in in the uh, stress analysis field German textbook from back in the I think early early 20th century maybe late 19th century called Drang und Zwang and so <laughs> I'm looking uh, at it right now oh really yeah okay. I, I googled um, so uh, by uh, August Foppel and uh, great name <laughs> and, uh, and so and so anyway that that's where Drang came from Ein Hörfestigtier für... That's me trying to read the subtitle, by the way. <laughs> Didn't go so well. I thought I'd give it a go. It, it failed. Yeah, well, you know, I, I have the same problem. And and there's a post somewhere on my site where uh, I explained this, and uh, people who actually did know German said, well, you know, you should really be... Drang isn't really quite right. Drang is more like pressure. Well, pressure and stress are, are kind of similar to one another. Anyway, you know... If August Foppel led me astray, uh, so be it. I can't. Ch I can't change my name now. And the clown snowman thing, which is the, your this this. If anybody doesn't know what I, that was, such a like sort of abstract question. The basically for <laughs> <laughs> what about the clown? Um, so there is a, an image on your site and also your Twitter background. It used to be your Twitter avatar and it's a picture yes. of this like creepy clown snowman thing. That is, um, there's actually, actually this is the subject of the only after dark, I believe, that Mac Power users uh, ever did. Oh, um, I have to find it's, that. It's a so it's part of history. When here locally in the Chicago area, there was and is now again, although it's under different management, there was a an amusement park called Santa's Village, and I used to go there. My grandparents used to take me there when I was a little kid, and it had uh, it was obviously Santa Claus themed, Christmas themed, and I used to go there and you'd sit on Santa's lap and you'd cry your eyes out as all kids do, and they they take a picture of you. But they also had, um, they had a ride. They had, they had uh, little uh, roller coasters, and they had a kind of teacup-like ride, the way uh, the Disney Mad Hatter teacup ride is, except that the teacups were snowballs. That's the thing that you rode in. And you spun around a large fiberglass snowman. It's that snowman that is my avatar. Uh, many years later, well, many years later, hell, 40 years later, uh, as an adult, going to another uh, place locally in the area with one of my boys, um, they this place that we went to, uh, a water park, had just bought a lot of stuff from Santa's Village, and there in the lobby uh, was this evil snowman. And... Uh, I took a photograph of it. That's my photo. I, I took that there in the lobby of this of uh, the hotel attached to this water park, and and I took the photo because <clears throat> I mean I recognized it. They, I didn't even have to see the explanation of what it was. It came back to me from forty years earlier. As soon as I saw that snowman, I knew where it was. I, I knew where it had come from, and I remembered it distinctly. Is it meant to be evil? No. Things people, uh, you, you young people don't realize that in the 60s, nobody really knew how to entertain children. And lots of terribly frightening things. It's, it's sort of like uh, uh, the way fairy tales, uh, the, the Brothers Grimm, this, that stuff is really horrible stuff. Uh, you know, and of course, 
in Disney movies, there's always some very dark stuff, uh, Bambi's mother dying, uh, things like that. Um, things were not so so light and airy with in kids' entertainment. And I think uh, the people who made this snowman believed that he was smiling benevolently on the children who were spinning around him and puking. But actually, it looks like he enjoys the fact that the children are in pain. <laughs> yes, and I and I changed that. Used to, and as you mentioned, that used to be my my avatar um, on Twitter, and I did eventually change it because it was the only way to get Dan Benjamin to follow me. He he refused to follow me uh, because he <laughs> did not want to see that snowman showing up in his timeline. And so I changed it to uh, Uncle Iroh from uh, Avatar. And that's Avatar: The Last Airbender, not the, uh... not the movie, mm-hmm. and and not oh, and not and, and not uh, well either one. It's it's not the the terrible movie about the Last Airbender, nor is it the uh, the special effects extravaganza with the blue people. The the Avatar the cartoon is one that is on my list of things that I know I need to watch. It is spectacular. Um, it's very long. I mean, it's many seasons long. I. I suspect there are over 40 episodes maybe of it and it's it's epic and um, my my younger son who is now 13 is the one who got me into it he's we both still watch it uh, we have watched every episode many many times he's watched every episode I would swear 10 times because he, he knows it extremely well and because we've seen it so many times you can kind of pick it up whenever now that now that we've seen it that many times it's it's like watching a monty python episode you know you just you, you kind of you know the routines and you say oh yeah I, I don't have to watch them in order or anything that's that's this one um so an uncle iroh is um an old and wise character and so that's why i chose him as my avatar because you and are, he likes because you are wise and, uh, well, because, only mainly because I'm old. That's at least <laughs> what my son would say, and also because he likes tea, and and I drink a lot of tea. So I want to take a quick break, so we can thank our sponsor, and I have loads more stuff that I want to talk to you about. We are only just getting started, sir. So I want to take a quick moment to thank um, our fine sponsor, that is Squarespace. They are the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create your own website. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TALLYHO. That's T-A-L-L-Y-H-O, a very British offer code for you. Squarespace is constantly updating their platform with fantastic new features, new designs, and even more great support. They have beautiful designs that you can start with, and they have tons of style options that allow you to adjust and really create your own space online. Squarespace take care of everything. Hosting, they make your site look fantastic on any device. They just make it really, really painless to set up a website. It's really easy to use. They have great support. They have an amazing support team if you need any help. And they work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They have great knowledge base articles and walkthroughs and FAQs and everything. So if you have any problems at all, they've got everything that you need to help you set up your site with them. When you go to squarespace.com to sign up for the free trial, which I'm sure that you're going to do, because why wouldn't you? You can see all these amazing little videos that they've put together. So you can click through the little arrows on the left and right-hand side, and it will give you inspiration 
for how to set up your site because they've taken a look at loads of different businesses. They have like artists and musicians and restaurants and designers and stuff like that. And they've shown how they are using Squarespace to create their space online. As I said earlier, you can try Squarespace for free. You don't need to enter any credit card information. You just give them your name and your email address. Simple. And if you decide to purchase, it starts at just $8 a month and includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. What a great deal. Don't forget, you'll get 10% off and you'll also help support this show if you use the offer code TALLYHO. That's T-A-L-L-Y-H-O. So go check out Squarespace. They give you everything that you need to create an exceptional website and something new that we want to try out. If you are a listener to Command Space and you have a Squarespace site, send it in to me. Send it in by email. You go to mikehurley.net slash contact and you can fill out the contact form. You can send it. That'll send me an email. Um, you also see a Squarespace site there because my, my own personal website is a Squarespace site. Or I'm on Twitter. I'm imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Send me a link to your Squarespace site. Say that you listen to Command Space and in future episodes we'll be featuring some of the listener sites that have used Squarespace to set up their space online. So do that and uh, I'd love to see what you've got. So thanks to Squarespace for supporting Command Space and all of 5x5. We love you very dearly. So, Doc... You have your you have your blog, uh, Lean Crew, is, is leancrew.com, isn't it? Is it dot yes. com? And that that's it that. is dot com. Yes. And then the blog has the other name, which is, and now it's all this. So tell yes. tell me that why have we got the two separate names there? Well, it's because I'm very bad at branding, as I said. Um, <laughs> and now it's all this is sort of a um, saying in my family, uh, uh, well at least between my wife and me. And it comes from uh, comes from John Lennon. Uh, during uh, when was it like 1965? I think when the "We're Bigger Than God" controversy hit the U.S., um, Lennon gave a press conference. He was kind of forced into giving a press conference that was sort of an apology, and uh, he he said exactly what I what I have there on the heading of my blog. Uh, his apology was, I just said what I said, and it was wrong, or was taken wrong, and now it's all this. And so whenever something uh, in our life has sort of gotten out of hand, uh, my wife and I uh, turn to each other and say, and now it's all this. And we've done that for, we actually don't do it now because it's the name of the blog, but back before I had a blog, that's what we would do. I have the full quote here if you'd like me to read it. I was searching for it. So. Sure. When Lennon was asked um, about this, he says, Well, originally I pointed out the fact that in reference to England, that we meant more to kids than Jesus did or religion at that time. I wasn't knocking it or putting it down. I was just saying it is a fact and it's true more for England than here, referencing America. I'm not saying we're better or greater or comparing us with Jesus Christ as a person or God as a thing or whatever it or is. Or whatever it is. <laughs> My favorite part, or whatever it is. <laughs> I just said what I said and it was wrong or it was taken wrong. And now it's all this. That's a beautiful piece of prose. It is. I actually, uh, in um, there was a post somewhere back several years ago, m my post, where I set that as poetry. I, I set it line by line, and, and it, it looks like poetry, because um, he couldn't help doing it that way. That's how he spoke. Yeah, I mean, that kind of, that's, yeah, 
That's a real nice way to put it. Huh. Really, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Thank you for that. So, you have you have your blog. You have uh, Lean Crew. What did you set out to create? Like, what what do you write? But what was your original intention? What were you thinking about writing when you set up the blog? Well, I started the blog. I think back in, you know, I don't have a I don't have a blog versary because I don't really know when my first posts were. Although every post is dated. Something happened when I switched from one blogging engine to another, and uh, a bunch of posts all got the same date. And I, so I don't know exactly when I started, but it was sometime around maybe 2004 or two, maybe even 2003. Um, I was reading a lot of political blogs at the time, and I thought, well, I'm going to do something like that, and but also maybe a little of the technology stuff as well. And that's, uh, you know, of course, part of the reason why I, I have the pseudonym. And, uh, you know, things didn't turn out that way, but I thought that, uh, and now it's all, this would be a good name for a political blog, too. And, I'm a, and of course, I also was looking for, I was looking for a John Lennon quote, because I'm a big John Lennon fan, and that one just seemed apropos. Have you ever seen The Beatles? I have not seen any of them uh, live, no. Um, of course, there aren't very many opportunities anymore. Um, <laughs> I don't think there are any. But <laughs> Paul is on tour right now, I believe. Uh, my, my brother has seen McCartney. Um, we saw him at a festival, and I will always be jealous of him for that. Does, he was at Glastonbury this year, was he not? Um, was no, no, the Stones were at Glastonbury yeah. this year. I think Paul was. Paul must have been there Anyway, it was yeah. within the last few years. He played yeah, there. he's been there recently. So you mentioned about um, the political nature. Um, every month, you post your site about soldier death rates. Yes, and you have a, a if you go, I'll, I'll put this in the show notes. But you have a tag, and and the tag you assign is war, and it's really interesting to go through. And, and you're talking about different wars and the death rates month by month over years you've been doing this what made you start doing this like what is your what was the reason that you, you started writing this post and decided that you would continue to do it every month um, I was uh, not in favor of the Iraq war uh, back in 2003 when we started it um and although my posts of that nature don't go back that far, I was I've followed uh, the Iraq news, uh, you know, since the since the war began, and have not given up on it. Well, it's gone, but now we're now we're in uh, we're in Afghanistan only. Um, the the site where I get the data, which is called iCasualties.org. Um, was a site that I liked. It had, again, back when I started making these, doing these posts, it had awful graphics, and I wanted, I wanted better graphics. Uh, they would, they did a plot that was very much like the one that I that I do, except it was miserable. It was very poorly done. It was very hard to read. Um, it, it was, it was just a badly done graph, and so I wanted to do a better graph. And I did, and the um, the Iraq War was going at least as, as, 
the Iraq war was going very badly in terms of uh, in terms of casualties uh, on the uh, coalition side at the time, and so I sort of just kept it up. And um, during the 2008 uh, election campaign, when uh, Barack Obama said he wanted to, uh, you know, he was he was in for. He, he got popular among young people in particular for being against the Iraq war, which was good, uh, but he was also in favor of essentially finishing the job, so to speak, in Afghanistan, which I thought was a very bad mistake um, because we had moved out of Afghanistan. You can't, it was a, probably a mistake to move out of Afghanistan when we did, but uh, certainly you can't go back five years later. Um, and, and expect to just start as if nothing has happened in the meantime. So I then for a while I transitioned. So at the beginning, those posts were just the Iraq uh, casualty rates. Then for a while it was both Iraq and Afghanistan. And now that we're out of Iraq, uh, it's just Afghanistan. So when you and start... And I, oh, go on. I, and, I, and I'm going to continue it until we're out of there. So when you write this post, so when you sit down to... You know, to update your graphs and and etc. Does it just kick you in the gut every month? It not as much as it used to, which I feel bad about. Um, but um, because one of the things I one of the things I complain about uh, continuously in that in that those posts is that the coverage is basically gone. It's like the war in Afghanistan doesn't exist anymore on the uh, commonly watched news shows here in the States. And certainly the the death rates are much, the casualty rates are much lower than they used to be. And you kind of understand why it's not considered news anymore. But it's 10 to 20 lives every month, uh, American lives. I mean, it's I have been criticized uh, by commenters and occasional emailers that I don't that I uh, concentrate on American lives and coalition lives, and not on Afghanistan or earlier uh, Iraqi lives. There are two reasons for that. One is I'm an American, and and I'm not proud of the fact that that I feel more strongly about our people than about other people, but I do. I, I can't help it. Also, I think that um, whatever audience I have is likely to be more concerned with American lives and uh, coalition lives than it is with the lives of the people we're fighting. And then finally, and from a, from a data analysis point of view, most importantly, there was never any good data uh, on Iraqi casualties or Afghanistan casualties. Um, there were lots of numbers floating around, but nobody agreed on any of them. Whereas the American and coalition uh, casualty figures were pretty well agreed on. Let's take a change of pace. Mm -hmm. Let's take a change of pace. So I find that very interesting. Um, but I want to, I want to, if it's okay, if you go back to technology stuff. That's fine. So, you mentioned that you are a uh, a fan of Apple products and services and stuff like that. Um, 
What devices do you use on a daily basis? Are you an all Apple man? I am. Uh, I have an iMac at work. I have one of the new iMacs. So you have a, uh, a real job job and you're allowed to have a, a Mac. You are in the lucky few. I am one of the company owners, so I get to decide <laughs> what, what I do. That's how you do it, kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how you do it. Well, actually, even before then, um, I had considerable freedom in what was on my desk. And I've always either used a, a, a Mac or a Linux machine. Uh, I've never used Windows, or maybe for like a month or two I used Windows back around, um, oh, heck, in the late 90s uh, when it was clear that Apple didn't know how to make a computer anymore. Uh, I, I did switch, and I, I used Windows for a month or two and said, oh, this is, this is absurd, so, and I went over to Linux uh, very quickly. Um, but so I, so I have the iMac. Um, I have, uh, I'm talking on or, or into a, a MacBook Air right now, uh, which is the late 2010 model uh, Air, which is, so that's the first of the good Airs. Oh, I was going to say, did you have the I MacBook? didn't have the, I never had the crappy Air. My, my uh, brother had one, and he had the whole thing replaced twice. I can imagine. Under Apple Care. Uh, it was, but when this one came out, I mean, it was, it was, first, I had a, a 12-inch iBook G4 was my sort of portable computer up until that time, and it was limping along, uh, mm. and uh, when this came out, I said, well, there's, there it is, it's, I've, that, now's the time to move, because this was such a big improvement, and it's been an excellent machine. That was the machine uh, that went from, like, being one of the worst so that first MacBook Air was considered one of the worst Macs in recent history to that like the 11 and the 13 inch especially the 11 inch at the time was considered by many to be the best Mac Apple would ever made it's so interesting that they did that well yeah, it, 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 was a, it was a huge improvement I, I will I will have to disagree the best Mac that was ever made was the SE30 I, lots of old time Mac users will agree with me on that. The SE30 <laughs> was a spectacular machine. It was a gigantic jump in uh, in functionality. Still with that uh, with that tiny uh, Bloom County sort of package, it was it was just it was fantastic. This is a, this is a great machine, though. I mean, I, I really love it. I, I have not uh, occasionally, you know, you feel jealous uh, when when new ones come out, uh, but. I, you know, I think I've got a couple more years out of this one. So, then uh, my other app, my only other Apple product is my iPhone. I have an iPhone five. Uh, before that, I had an iPhone four, and before that, I had an iPhone original. Uh, not quite original. I, I, I got mine uh, like six months after they were introduced when they went to um, they went to larger storage. Yeah, for a short, they went to for eight. Period. Right, it was. It started off as four. They started off as. Did they have four and eight, and then go to eight and sixteen? I can't I remember think anymore. So. It, it's sitting in a desk drawer, um, in my in my office at work. Um, so I suppose I could I could fire it up and and see what it, what it says. I I don't remember, but anyway, it, that's what I got. Uh, was not the you know I didn't stand in line for the one that came out in June. I got mine. 
sort of like right after the first of the next year, like early 2006, like, or no, uh, 2008? 2008, must have been, yeah. So and how, I held on to that until the 4 came out. How does technology sort of impact you on a, on a daily basis? You know, is it intrinsic to your life? Yes. I mean, I'm an engineer, um, and, and by that I mean an actual engineer, not a programmer, because I don't consider programmers to be engineers, regardless of what everyone else in the world says. <laughs> um, and I, I, So I'm a traditional engineer, and so technology is, that's what I spend my life talking about and dealing with all the time. Um, whether it's what we in the 70s used to call high technology, which is now just called technology, or, or whether it's more traditional technologies, which have also undergone tremendous changes uh, during my adult life, uh, where materials are being used in just regular things like cars, stuff that's been around for a long time, uh, but uh, they've all undergone tremendous improvements. So it, that's, those sorts of in- improvements are kind of under the radar. Some of them are uh, directly related to the great advances in computing technology. Uh, certainly that's true with a lot of the stuff in, a, in an automobile, for example. But a lot of stuff in cars is just due to improvements in materials and what we, what we can know about materials and how we, how we make them and how, how they get processed uh, that, and that really have not much to do with computers, per se. So it, I... I don't know how to answer the question, although I've been going on for a long time. I don't know how to go answer the question about how technology affects my life because that's that's always been all of my life, pretty much, at least ever since I've been an adult anyway. Is there like, you know, is there an advancement of some description um, that to, to current technology that you own that would make a huge impact, you know, like... Are you know? Are you waiting for longer battery life on devices? Would that make a massive impact, or storage, or is there a whole different class of technology that would impact you? Like, are you waiting anxiously for Google Glass? <laughs> I, I have I have no interest in Google Glass, <laughs> um, I, and I don't I, I'm I don't want to be disparaging of it uh, because I think ultimately we'll all be doing something like that. Yes. Uh, but as it stands right now, and as I suspect it will stand for a few generations, a few generations of the product, not generations of people, um, it will it will not be quite right for me. Uh, you know, I'm 52 years old. There's some, you know, I'm, I'm not as uh, accepting of new things as I, as I once was. As far as what would be a, a big change for me, I mean, I have to say, it's it's like what people uh, say about you know, if, if Henry Ford had asked people uh, what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. That's that's not what works. I mean, I can come. You know, I'm I'm interested in the idea of a larger iPhone, even though I have said. Uh, and, and written about how I think the larger iPhone is certainly not a great idea for many, many people. 
just because it's not going to fit as well in women's purses. It isn't going to fit as well in someone who wears dress in the pants pocket of someone who wears dress pants. Uh, it doesn't fit in the hand as well. It does, you can't reach with your thumb from one side to the other if you had a five-inch phone. Uh, there, there are lots of reasons why a bigger phone isn't for everyone. But I have a feeling that a bigger phone would work well for me because I dress in a slovenly manner and so I don't, it doesn't matter if I have a bulge in my cargo shorts or something like that. <laughs> uh, That's not going to yeah. be the show title, but it would be a great one. <laughs> well, there's, there's, no, there's no bulge over in that area. <laughs> um, the, uh, and, and because I don't have an iPad, a larger screen on the phone would make the phone more useful to me. Maybe. I, I, you know, I'd have to see it. I'd have to play with it. But that's not really, that's not a, I, I mean, I think things that are, that are really going to make a big difference will be things like foldable screens, things where it's small when I want it to be small and it becomes, we're getting, we're getting off into the bulge in the pants thing again, but anyway, large (laughs) when I want it to be large. And that to me uh, is sort of this promise that we've heard about for many years now of sort of being able to unfold a a little computer you pull it out of your pocket you unfold it and then you've got like something like a laptop uh, in front of you that would be wonderful uh once it starts working if, if that we would be were a big, that'd be a big help to me if we were recording this live right now i would have no choice about the show title <laughs> for this episode but because because we are not recording it live i do not have to play to the jackals pick something classy please oh i've i've already got a couple of things Okay, good. You're a classy gent. You deserve good. a classy title. So I have I have <laughs> two two other little questions before I before I let you go today. So okay. one one is a, is something that I have wondered about for for a long time. You have created your own Twitter client. I be- yes. I believe Doctor Toot. And y- yes, it, it, it's it, uh, I took somebody else's Twitter client homemade Twitter client and I improved it. I mean, it's not anything like uh, what he did but anymore. But yes, I, I, I started with a core of someone else's work. But anyway, yes, there it is. It's on my screen in front of me right now. Why? I um, didn't like any of the Twitter clients that were around at the time. Um, and it seemed like First, I get to choose the font size exactly the way I want and the spacing, and I get to choose everything about the layout because it's it's basically a web app that runs locally uh, on my computer. So I get to choose everything about it. Uh, I get to choose uh, weird things like uh, I follow uh, Dr. Dr. Samuel Johnson, a Twitter account that's allegedly uh, Dr. Johnson. And because he's a 17th century character, I have a special font that I got out of Google's font set. So his tweets appear in what appear to be <laughs> an, an, an old <laughs> crummy font. It's. I also like. Um, I also like having things 
in chronological order instead of reverse chronological order. And I am apparently the only person in the world who wants that. Yeah. Uh, huh. But but I I like it that way. And although so obviously when I'm using Tweetbot on my phone, which I do a lot, I uh, of course I, I everything switched around. But uh, it, it just it it gave me a lot of um, control. Also, I was interested in the Twitter API. And I was interested in learning a little bit more about JavaScript, which is how Dr. That's what Dr. Tood is uh, written in. And I don't know. It just bec- it's just become something I use. It's not uh, it's not the most featureful uh, app in the world. <laughs> and I do find myself going to the uh, to the website to the Twitter website to do some things like for example, direct messages, which I get very few of. Um, but uh, integrating direct messages into your into a regular timeline is something that Twitter doesn't want you to do, and the Twitter API makes it very hard to do it. I have tremendous respect for Craig Hockenberry for a lot of reasons, but if for no other reason, I would have respect for him uh, because he managed to get figure out how to do that uh, in a smooth way in Twitterific. Yeah, because they have the unified timeline. I th- they have I the think, unified timeline. I think that yes. that's where that is a great feat. It also makes it suffer for accessing direct messages in a direct message view in uh, in Twitterific. Because that, that, that it can be a bit weird there. Like, for example, if I sent you a message, it would show my avatar in the list as opposed to yours, which is different to how all other um, Twitter applications do it. So there are trade-offs, well, but, you know. And I, th- I think the other nice thing about having it in a separate timeline is that um, you, you you get to follow that conversation much better because yeah. it's all tight and it's all right there together without any of your other uh, stuff coming in. But... One thing about the about the unified timeline that works, uh, that's very nice, is that when somebody sends you a direct message, you know right away, because it's True. it's part of the thing that you're looking at all the time. Mm-hmm. I get so few of them; it doesn't matter to me one way or the other. I feel like I need to send you more now. Just go ahead. Don't expect an immediate response though, because <laughs> I often don't know about it until <laughs> the email comes that tells me, "Oh, you have a direct message from Mike Hurley." So you have the emails as well. Interesting. I only only for direct messages. Yeah, because you get, I le- you have to know. And about I them. left I left that on because Doctor Twoot doesn't <laughs> doesn't tell me. <laughs> so my it's last my last thing before before I let you go today, and and I happen to know, and I happen to notice because you told me so, that you have an unhealthy obsession with British quiz shows. Oh God, yes. Which shows in particular? QI. Oh, okay. Carry on. Buzzcocks. X. Uh, yep. Formally named, uh, cor- correctly named, never mind the Buzzcocks, which of course is a, a, a joke in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, who? Uh, uh, what's the one uh, with David Mitchell and uh, Lee Mack? Uh, oh. Would I lie to? Would I lie to you? Yes. Yes. And, carry on. <laughs> and the one that I. I actually dislike, but for some reason I continue to watch 
is, uh, have I got news for you? Yeah. And I, and I honestly don't know why anyone watches that. It, it, apparently it's been on since 1962 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's as long, it's been going on for as long as Doctor Who, uh, because they're in like the 40th series of it or something like that, 40-something series. I don't find it funny at all. And yet, I am fascinated by it. And so when when a new one shows up in YouTube, I watch it anyway. It used to be really good. I've you know I have uh, I have British friends who who live uh, here, neighbors, and they have said that yes, it used to be, it used to be quite a good show. I, actually, I think you know, uh, Buzzcocks is the last couple seasons of Buzzcocks have not been very good either. Uh, yeah. I continue to watch it, just hoping that something will will happen, and that it will go back to the greatness that it had uh, once upon a time. Two things that happened to both. One thing that happened to both of those shows was that they lost their strong hosts. So yes. in two thousand and two, have I got news for you? Um, they had a host that had been with, on that show since nineteen ninety called Angus Deaton. He was disgraced for something that he did, some sordid yes, act. I, yes. Yes, yes, a sorted act, exactly. Yeah. I actually can't remember what it was, but it, he did something sorted. And yes. he was fired from the BBC. Um, and never mind the Buzzcocks, they had um, a, a host from its the show's inception in 1996 to 2005 called Mark Lamar, who was very good. Then Simon well, Amstel. created the show. Yeah. Yeah, he produced it as well. Um and then they had Simon Amstel as a comedian who was there in 2006 and then since then they have not had a set host and both of these shows are the same they do not have set hosts they rotate right the host and, is a guest which is a bad idea typically and it makes yes and it makes them highly variable mm-hmm. uh, Buzzcocks in particular I mean I got into Buzzcocks because of Mark Lamar um, I was listening to uh, podcasts well I was making, I was recording uh, shows off the Play It Again feature of BBC Radio, um, and Mark Lamar had a couple of shows on Radio uh, 2 at the time, and so I was recording his stuff, so that that got me into Mark Lamar, then I learned about Buzzcocks, I started watching Buzzcocks, that introduced me to Phil Jupitus, Phil Jupitus on YouTube, of course, when you're watching a Buzzcocks show that has Phil Jupitus in it, along the sidebar of YouTube, you'll see other things that you might that my, Phil Jupitus might be on. And one of those would be QI, and that's how I got into QI. QI is and then, hosted by Stephen Fry. The great um, Stephen Fry. And it is an incredible quiz show. It is unlike any other quiz show ever created, because you do not get points necessarily for answering questions correctly. You receive them... You, you receive the most points. The, the, the scoring system is not transparent, but because they the points are awarded in an arbitrary fashion, you receive the most points if you get something right. But if you are wrong but have an interesting answer, you receive points. Um, but if you say, uh, typically, a lot of the answers to the questions they are they tend to be common uh, common mistakes. So, for example, one of the famous questions is how many moons does the Earth have? Now, the answer to that question is one. But if you say one, there is a klaxon 
that appears and behind the guests will say the word one because that is the incorrect answer um, but which is the common misconception right because there are actually two moons look it up right <laughs> I'll, I'll actually do you know what I will find the, the QI clip for you um, which which yeah, explains put it in the this. show notes no I've, I've seen that episode I've seen all the episodes it's an incredible show and it Alan is. Davis he is a British comedian and actor he was on the pilot episode and then they just kept him on and he has been on every episode since yeah and he's well I mean Stephen Fry of course makes the show yes of course but, he does, yeah. but Alan Davis in, an integral part of the show mm-hmm. uh, absolutely as kind of uh, uh the foil. He, yeah, he is the he is the fool to Stephen yes. Fry's incredible genius. Yes. A man who is an absolute hero of mine who I have had the pleasure of meeting and have a book. Oh, you have? I have met him and I have a book signed by him um, and I got him to sign it as at iMike and he found that very amusing <laughs> and we had That's a conversation nice. about it for a minute or two and then, and it was one of, one of my high moments in life. Was meeting well, he's, that man. Uh, and of course, he's well known. Should be well known to uh, Mac users because he, I think, had the second yep. Macintosh computer in England mm-hmm. after Douglas Adams. Exactly. If if I'm remembering right, uh, he was one of the first people outside of Apple to play with an iPad. Um, he was he he, he was yes. given a a private demo by Steve Jobs of the original iPad before it was displayed to the world. And he wrote a great piece about it, which I will find. So, yeah, and QI, uh, because of the the guests that they have, that, I believe, is what introduced me to David Mitchell, who I love. David, have you ever seen that Mitchell and Webb look? Yes. I've, I've seen... I, I don't know if I've seen all of them, but I've, I have seen most of them, and they're just spectacular. Um, what's the What's the show that's they're they're currently doing? It's more of a sitcommy kind of show. Um, I haven't seen so many of those, but um, but that Mitchell and Webb look I've I've read. My my favorite ongoing thing. Well, there's you you know you've got your Number Wang, which is a classic. Yes, and you are losing. By the way. You are losing listeners. It's the end of the, the episode, though. By so, the score, so <laughs> right people now. people can go, they can leave. Um, but the other one, the other one that I loved is this: is the post-apocalyptic game show. Yeah. Um, where, uh, which was just a continuing thing through one season, and um, the, it, it's I, I don't I don't know how to but it's a game show that's being done on a, a, a TV station that is somehow running. After some horrible thing has happened, but they continue to have a game show, and the and then the and the guests who are on the contestants on the game show are horribly injured and disfigured, and David Mitchell is the host, and as the as as the season goes on, uh, things just keep getting worse, and his his suit gets more tattered, and uh, it's uh, it's fantastic. Remain Absolutely indoors fantastic. is the name. Remain of the show. indoors, yes, exactly. yes, exactly. All of this that is, is going to be in line. the show notes, uh, <laughs> which are at five by five tv slash cmd space slash fifty three. So command space slash fifty three, because it's these are the things that people need to see. They do, they do, 
and um, they should look into 10 o'clock live as well which is off right now um, but also has the great uh, chart oh I'm gonna screw up his last name is it Charlie Brooker or Booker Charlie um, Charlie Brooker who is Brooker yes yeah, yes guy I don't really like too much but ah well what do you think about Jimmy Carr I love Jimmy Carr say I I'm I'm lukewarm on Jimmy Carr He's um, big on Frankie Boyle, though. I don't like Frankie Boyle. Uh, I find him. See, we're going to have to have a fight here. I think so. I, <laughs> I find him vulgar for the sake of being vulgar. So, well, that, see that now. Interest. That's how I think of Jimmy Carr. I don't like Whereas, Jimmy Carr's stand-up so much as I do like him as a presenter. Oh, okay, okay. I mean, he's very good on QI. Yes, and he has and a I show. Can't... He has a show called Eight Out of Ten Cats. Uh, yeah, I've tried watching that. Yeah. It's not amazing, but he yeah. he's the only good thing about it, I think. He's got the sh- the show that they do at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, big Fat Quiz of the Year. Big Fat Quiz of the Year. I love Big Fat Quiz of the Year. Man, this is amazing. You see all of... You really are an, a British quiz show aficionado. <laughs> I, well, YouTube is a wonderful thing. There are people, and, and, these, and the people who post these things... Are, are continually getting shut down. Yeah. So it's very hard uh, to to be able to find this stuff. But there are people who do uh, yeoman's work illegally, of course, to to bring uh, to bring British quiz shows to me, and I and I believe that they're working just for me. So does BBC uh, America not show this stuff? They do not. That's a real shame. BBC, BBC America seems to show nothing but Babylon Five and Top Gear and Doctor Who. Uh, and and Doctor Who, yes. I think but, it's but because, it, but, the, but their but their their core competency seems to be Babylon Five. The British quiz show <laughs> is very unlike American quiz show. Like yes, they're very different. Do you do you have like game shows the way American game shows are, where you have doofuses, just regular people showing up, and then they win prizes, and they actually care. Yeah, I mean, but things like still, the Price is Right. They're still very different. So uh, we had the Price is Right for a long time. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if that originated from us or you guys. Um, probably you. Um, yeah, because it's crass, so it should have come from us. Okay. The franchise centers on television game show. I'm trying to find out who had it first. Yeah, it was an American show first. And yeah, we picked it up because we don't have. I mean, the the only British quiz shows that I that I watch are not. Re, I mean, the quiz is incidental to the entertainment that comes out of the answers and the discur, uh, discursive quality of the conversation that comes up. It's almost like the way a good talk show should be, is how these quiz shows are, and the and the, and the questions are there only to get conversation going, and. And they're wonderful, and I don't. We don't really have that here. Yeah, we, we did have. We did have. I think MTV or no, not MTV. Uh, what's what's uh, VH1? I think had a a Buzzcocks franchise for a while. Okay. Um, but it it didn't go well, and I didn't know that it was on when it was on. I might have watched it. So we do have. I would have been the only one. Like we have. Um game shows like we ha- we have uh, you know you, you're familiar with deal or no deal correct yes yeah that oh yeah of course that yes. originated here but it was it's very different to your deal or no deal um and who wants to be a millionaire 
yep. is based on a British show as well. Yes, yeah, so by, of course by the same that. name. Um, and yeah. we have like a show called The Cube, which is a very what, interesting show. That, who was the host of that? Philip Schofield. Oh, okay. He is a a very popular, um, very popular television host in the UK of morning television, but also he he presented children's television when I was when I was a wee person, um, and he has been around for forever Bl- and ever. Was he on Blue Peter? He was not on Blue Peter. Okay. Um, he was on a show called Going Live, which was a, a Saturday morning TV show when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, The Cube is a great show. It's basically average people doing... It's in, You're in, inside a gla- like a Perspex Cube, a huge Perspex Cube, and they perform activities which on the face of it seem very simple. So for example, putting a blindfold on and, and walking forward and stepping over obstacles that you can see before you put the blindfold on. Um, or throwing a ball across the cube and smashing a piece of glass on the other end of it little tiny little tasks like this for which they win money and and they become more and more difficult but as the saying is in everything is more difficult when you're inside the cube it's a really interesting show and they use um lots of slow-mo effects for like the high tense moments and they have cameras that spin around the cube so it does like the Matrix bullet time type stuff. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. It's a very interesting, well-made show. Um, it sounds sort of like a Japanese quiz show. It does sound like it is very much like a Japanese quiz okay. show like that. Okay. But I would, that, would, you, would, that would be my suggestion for you. I, I'll, I, I will look it up. So, Doctor, thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure. It has been a pleasure to have you. And uh, please... Please tell people where they can go to to find you online if they would like to do so. Uh, the two places to find me online are on Twitter, where I am Dr. Drang, D-R-D-R-A-N-G. And the other place is my website, which is called, and now it's all this, but don't look for it that way. It's leancrew.com, L-E-A-N-C-R-E-W. Excellent stuff. And I've been very, I've, I've been not been posting a lot lately because work has been quite busy. But I hope to get back into the swing of things and get myself back up to four or five posts a week here pretty soon. But you are one of those people that have a, um, a catalog of posts that are timeless because of their usefulness. So people just want to check them out. <laughs> yeah, and actually many of them are, are wrong. Uh, I, I, it, it does. It bothers me sometimes because I'll get an email from someone saying, you know, I, I looked at your script that's on and they'll give the link and, and it's not working for me. And I think, oh, yeah, you know what? The problem is um, I updated that script a, a year later. And, you know, it's very nice. It's, it's easy enough for me to, uh, to be able to send them to the, to the link with the updated post. But I feel bad that some of the old crap is still there. But it's too much work to get rid of it. <laughs> so there we are. Thank you again for joining me, sir. My pleasure. And people can find me online if they would like. I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. I'll be back next week with another fantastic episode, I'm sure, because I have a, a great a, a great guest lined up for next week, Mr. Guy English. And uh, next week's episode marks one year of Command Space. How about that? 
so you can celebrate with me by tuning in next week. Thank you all for joining me for this week's episode, and uh, I'll be back very soon. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Yeah, how do you want how do you want it sent? I'm going to stop